Welcome to Gut Feelings, a Rome Foundation Drossman Care podcast series. I'm your host, Johanna Ruddy. On this weekly series, Dr. Drossman and I are frequently joined by guests as we discuss disorders of gut-brain interaction, their diagnosis and treatment, and of course, patient-provider communication skills, trainings, and tips that are helpful for patients and doctors alike. Thanks for joining us. On this special episode of Gut Feelings, as Dr. Drossman and I prepare for the launch of our new book, Gut Feelings, The Patient's Story, we hear from patient Leslie Isaacs, who tells her illness journey story with us, what she learned through the process, how she managed to find effective treatment, and tips that are beneficial for both patients and providers alike. We hope you enjoy this special episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another question and answer session with Dr. Drossman and myself. Today we're so pleased to have another patient joining us. We know how much um, our patient stories resonate with our audience, and so we're so pleased to have Leslie with us today. Dr. Drossman and Leslie, hello to both of you. Thanks, Joanna. Hi, Leslie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, Leslie and I know each other now. She just told me 12 years when she first came to me as a patient. And uh, she's gone on uh, in her career development. She's now going for her psychology degree, her PsyD. And uh, she's in her internship now. And we'll hear more about that in a minute. So thank you for coming. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing and all of that. So as you said, I'm getting my doctorate of psychology and clinical psychology right now. I'm in D.C., which is a fabulous place to live if you ever get the chance. I am about to go on my uh, fifth year internship and I will be placed at a VA in South Carolina where I will hopefully work with trauma and suicidality. Um, It has been a long journey to get where I am now, but I am very thankful that I am where I am. Well, and that fits in very well with, I guess, your illness experience as well. It may have played a role. Yeah, it played a very significant role in where I am today, yes. Okay, why don't you uh, please tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, when you first came to us, what what you were experiencing, uh, the history and its evolution. Sure. So I got sick when I was about 20 years old. Um, I was in my undergrad degree going to class full-time, doing fairly well. Um, I got the flu or something of the sort and got sick, went to the doctor. They told me it would pass and I would be fine, except it never passed. (laughs) Um, It took three different doctors at two different hospitals, an unknown number of diagnostic tests that didn't tell anything, before I finally made it to you after about a year and a half of no answers. Um, Unfortunately, at that same time, I was coming out of a very difficult, abusive relationship for two years, which also played a role in kind of how I was dealing with things. So that also tied into how my treatment with you went and kind of where I am today. Tell me a little bit more about what your symptoms were and and the the nature of the relationship, whatever you feel able to talk about. Sure. So when I first got sick, it was very much 
very much like a flu. Um, I didn't think anything of it, except that the GI symptoms never went away. Uh, and they kind of seemed to get worse and worse. And no matter what I did, I had the point where every time I ate, I would get nauseous and then my intestines would start cramping pretty immediately after I ate anything. Didn't seem to matter what it was. Um, so when I went back to the doctor and they were like, we don't know, they sent me to a GI doctor. Um, really, unfortunately, the first GI doctor told me it was all in my head um, and that she could not find an answer. So it was just me responding to my environment. Um, luckily I had parents who were really advocating for me at the time and we went to a different doctor. Um, I had at that point was out of the relationship, which was a romantic relationship for two years, um, was unfortunately very emotionally abusive and sexually abusive and kind of compounded my isolation and symptoms of what I was dealing with GI-wise. Um, so at that time, I still just could not seem to eat anything without symptoms. I had really bad cramping. I would get really nauseous. I spent, I feel like the majority of my time in the bathroom, though that probably wasn't the case. You had diarrhea as well? Yes. And it was interesting because I could eat and get sick in the middle of eating, which is, doesn't seem physically possible, but it just would trigger those symptoms. And so I would give up eating what I was in the middle of that meal. And I, I just got to the point where I would eat very few things. Um, I wouldn't deviate from those few things. And I ate very sporadically um, in order to try and mitigate the symptoms, though it didn't, I, it didn't really work. I How still how was it affecting your life then? Pretty significantly. I was unable to finish school. I had to take a semester off of school. I wasn't able to attend class. I just, I couldn't get there. Um, I was very, very isolated. I stayed at home literally as much as I could, never leaving the house. I was terrified that I would be out of the house and have symptoms and not be able to get to a bathroom. Um, so my apartment became my little safety nest, which unfortunately does not help your psychology portion of your, you know, life. So my mental health went down pretty dramatically, pretty quickly. Um, how, what was what was the? How were you feeling emotionally? Can you describe that a little bit? Um, I still struggle with a little bit of it today. Um, feeling like a burden. My symptoms were, had I, they had completely overtaken my life. Um, and there was no way around that. And they had started to be where I felt like they were overtaking my family's life. Um, because my parents were having to help me all the time with going to doctor's appointments or um, paying for me to live, but I couldn't be in school and um, all of that. So for the majority of the time, I felt like a burden to my family and I felt so sad all of the time. Um, there were never any bright spots. I did have a dog who I will say um, was my lifeline during that time. Um, and I'm a huge advocate for animals now because I know 
very clearly that she she saved me in those moments. Yes. What about support from the family? How much were they understanding what you were going through? They were understanding of what I was going through as in they were supportive and they were very much advocating for me with doctors. But I don't think that anyone truly understands this unless you've been there. Um, kind of that fear that you live with every time you walk out of your house of is there going to be a bathroom or am I going to get sick? Um, and, and it's very hard to explain to other people unless they've had something similar. I try to equate it to food poisoning sometimes because that's what it felt like then. Um, but yes, my, my parents were there for me every single step of the way. And, I'm, and I know that I'm very, very lucky for that. Um, and I also had a niece and a nephew at the time who were two little shiny bright lights that, you know, on a bad day could help me kind of get a little bit of joy in my life. And, and were you still in the relationship with the boyfriend or was that settled? It, um, it had ended almost identically at the same time of when I got sick. Um, though I did not deal with any of it until I made it to you and I had to see a psychologist at the same time. And then the kind of gates opened. We'll get to that in a minute, but I, I just for the for the people out there, the concept of post-infection IBS or dyspepsia is very much related not only to the infection, but concurrent stress. And and some of the work that I know Leslie will be doing looking at war trauma when soldiers get PTSD and IBS, they're getting it because of deployment into war exposure, war, war exposure in addition to the infection because the infection is enabled by stress, which affects your immune regulation. I just wanted to throw that in, um, which you very well know now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so let's move on. What happened next? I went to a doctor who ran as many tests as he could, and he really did try. And he eventually said, this is over my head. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I know somebody that might. Um, and that, so I went to a different hospital and had the same thing happen, ran a whole number of tests that were not fun. Um, and he said, you know, I just went to this conference and I met this doctor and I think that he might know what's going on because I don't really know. And it was you. And I made it to North Carolina. I had to travel halfway across the country and I'm so lucky I did. You were in Texas at the time. Yes. So, um, I, you know, it, it's always a little bit difficult for me because I, I don't want these discussions to be what I'm doing all the time, but what I did to facilitate how you got to a better place, because we want others to know that who might not be seeing me directly, but, but what they can learn from that. So tell me what the first visit was, what the experience was like, and how that was helpful to you. I can tell you at that point, I was still very sick. My parents came with me. I was not able to do a lot um, for myself at that point. So focused on symptoms. And I remember showing up at the hospital that day for my first appointment being terrified <laughs> that it was going to be the same thing again, um, kind of hopeless feeling. 
And in the first five minutes of that appointment, you looked at me and you just said, I believe you. And my whole world flipped. Um, Finally, somebody, though you may not be able to say exactly what was physically happening, you believed what I was telling you. And I think in that moment, my world shifted in terms of my illness, but also put me on the path of where I am now, um, wanting to help people and say the same thing. You know, I believe you. Um, I will say in that first appointment, you had like four um, medical students with you, and that was so terrifying. (laughs) But I have learned that it is a great teaching tool for students. Um, So now when any doctor asks if they can have students in the room, I readily agree. But that first appointment, you spent a very long time with me, um, which was different. And you kind of asked not just about my GI symptoms, but the whole person of what I was experiencing at the time. Um, And that was different. And you didn't immediately order 800 different tests, (laughs) which was different. Um, And all of those things combined when I was able to walk out of the room, I had hope that there was something to help. Um, so I think kind of like your book, the, the, com- the communication skills is just, there's no, I mean, it's just, it's needed, so needed in all different appointments. So it's interesting. Everybody talks about treatment of these disorders, but it's, not so much what you do, but how you do it. What is the interaction like that? I think for us, a lot of it is the collaboration and care that you're participating in it as opposed to being told what to do. Yes. I, I assume that, I don't remember what our treatments were. Do you, what we did? At that point, we had to do um, quite a bit of like just figuring out my symptoms, timing pattern wise. We also started me on some medications um, for the nausea, because it was at that point, it was, it was very severe. Um, And also some mood stuff when I went to see the psychologist you work with at the time. Um, It was just a lot of, uh, I guess, monitoring at that point, what was happening and when it was happening. And um, that was very helpful because I hadn't ever really paid attention beforehand. So what evolved from that? Maybe um, maybe things that you learned about the illness or things that help you to move better with it? Anything we can add? Um, so I will say I had to really cut out looking on the internet for things. <laughs> <laughs> it's not helpful sometimes um, because they try to throw out like, doing elimination diets and really restricting yourself or don't do this and don't do that. And um, I already felt so withdrawn that that was not helpful for me. Um, So working with you, we were able to actually like add things in, please try this and let's see what happens. So I was getting a little bit more experience of going out in the world, even if it was just like small baby steps Um, And trying to eat different things that, um, you know, it wasn't so much what I was eating, but just that I was eating, period. Um, And I think the biggest thing that I learned was that it was not my fault. 
Um, I had a lot of problems with feeling like my body was failing me and I couldn't do anything about it. And really kind of understanding that this was something that was a connection in my body that was just misfiring and that it was not something that I was in control of um, really helped me to become okay with when I was having symptoms because I did not get better at the snap of my fingers, unfortunately. Um, it took some time for us to figure out how to, you know, really get my symptoms to decrease. And they did. It took longer than I wanted, but they did. Um, and, you know, I've, I've steadily gotten better over the years to where I'm now able to get a doctorate degree and feel comfortable, you know, visiting the world on a daily basis. So. Can, can you say more when you said it's not your fault? I think that's getting into, I think, a very common theme for patients when they come. It's touching on things like stigma, like blame, self-blame, uh, and that that has obviously spillover into relationships, activity. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that, where you were then and, and, and how that changed and what experiences you had? Sure. Um, for me, I think a lot of it stemmed from two parts, the relationship that I was coming out of, um, a lot of people had tried to warn me at the beginning and I didn't listen. And so I very much felt like it was my fault then, um, that I had stuck around and that it ended up where it ended up. Um, so I was struggling on that front and then I got sick and and I couldn't do anything about it. And the doctors couldn't figure it out. And so then I just started thinking, it has to be me. I had to have done something. I had a really big crisis of faith then that, you know, I had done something wrong in life and I was being punished. Um, I really struggled with, if it's all in my head, why can't I fix it? If no doctor can find anything, it just has to be me. Um, and I really struggled for a long time with those thoughts. and. Um, and I know that in our work, it has been really important, not just for how you talk to me, but for me to be honest with myself and with you about what was happening and what I'm experiencing. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about, you know, going to the bathroom all the time. It's just not fun to talk about. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, but just being honest um, with you and with myself and identifying that okay, my body's not failing me. I didn't do anything wrong. It's just like any other, you know, illness that you get. It's a whole bunch of factors and we can fix those factors. Um, it may take some time, but we can fix them. It's so important to hear that because I hear that theme so many times and I don't know what the switch point is. Um, what is it that gets to the point where you can get beyond that. Any sense about that? Oh, that one's hard. It took me a little bit of time. And I think because it was being compounded by the relationship and the illness at the same time, for me, um, when I came to you the first time, you kind of said, if you're going to work with me, you're going to see the psychologist. And I'm sure I put up a fight at first, <laughs> um, but I did it. And I will forever be grateful that you kind of made me do that. Um, so <laughs> seeing a psychologist, I think for me, the mental health aspect, seeing a therapist, being able to talk about 
those feelings that were also, I was then talking about the actual physical side with you. So I was getting both components. Um, and I think for me over time, as I saw the changes we made, I was able to see like, okay, if I make this change, I get a little bit better, which means it's not just me. Like there is an actual like action reaction happening in my body. Um, and so that just like hard evidence that, that it wasn't just my body saying we're done um, was what I think those two things kind of combined together. It did take me a while and um, I don't want to give everybody the sense that it will just, you know, magically happen after two sessions. It won't. Um, it takes a little bit of time and it takes a hard work on, on your part to get there. Um, so, so you chose to work in psychology and in trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your uh, plans? How would you like to see yourself in this, in this work doing? So my ultimate goal is to work with suicidality in our veterans, um, particularly those who have a TBI, a traumatic brain injury or PTSD. Um, and for me, I know that when I was so sad and so upset when I was very first sick, I was in a lot of pain physically and emotionally. And I didn't really want to be here anymore. Um, you know, I struggled with, is this life for the, you know, is this it? Is this what I get? Um, and then as I got better and that changed, I decided that I wanted to work with a population in a way that they never had to feel that same kind of pain of that being the choice that they had to make. Um, and for me, that has always been kind of a familial tie to the military. So um, that's why I went that direction. But yes, I would like to work with PTSD who, ha, has IBS a lot of the time. Um, what a coincidence. Um, and suicidality to help kind of what you and the other psychologists have done for me, which is to give hope. Are there any, uh, oh, let me ask you this. Um, sometimes people say, well, I'll never get better. So where are you now? Are you totally cured? Or what is your, your condition like now? I would say I'm not totally cured. I don't think you'll ever be totally cured. Um, but I would say I'm 95% better. I'm able to function on a daily basis. I go to school. I go to work. Um, I go wander around D.C. without being terrified. There will never be a bathroom available. There will be. Um, I do have episodes every now and then, which is what I call a big cluster of symptoms. Um, and I can usually tie it to stress. <laughs> um, sometimes if I eat a trigger food that I know, like I unknowingly eat it, um, that will cause me a flare up. Um, but I've just, it kind of becomes your daily routine of learning how you function best. And when you feel better, it's not a hardship to kind of watch those things because when you don't feel good, you're like, I, I know I'll do what I need to do. Um, and it's, it's small daily changes that get you to where you need to be. And, yeah, I'm doing, I think I'm doing well. You know, in hearing all this, it's, uh, I'm seeing that the medications are, are an adjunct. It's really what you do for yourself that gets you better. Um, is there any messages you want to give people out there or 
for them who might have gone through experiences like you did? Don't give up. It's not your fault. Find somebody that can advocate with you because you may not be at your best all the time. I was very fortunate to have parents who were in the room that could say like, oh no. <laughs> um, and I think that that's really important. We miss a lot sometimes when we're sick in an appointment. Um, I would say as uncomfortable as it is to talk about going to the bathroom with every doctor and every person you meet, <laughs> it seems like it's okay. We all do it. Just talk about it. Be honest. Um, and that's what's going to be help, most helpful for you is being honest with yourself, I think, and your doctors. Thank you. Uh, I just want to give Johanna a chance. Is there anything you want to mention before we close? Well, Leslie, thanks for sharing your story and being so honest and open about your struggles and what you've survived. I resonate with your story very much as you as you know, having read my story in the book. And um, and so I, I'm so pleased that you're doing so well now. And I'm so I feel I feel very proud of you, even though this is our first time meeting, um, that you've been able to really regain control of your life and, and understand, you know, the role that stress is playing, the role that your trauma played, um, and that you're really doing well now. So congratulations on your doctorate. And I look forward to seeing all the great things you do with our veterans in the future, too. That's wonderful. And it's been a, a pleasure and a gratification working with you, too. And I know that you're going to carry a lot of this work forward in your career. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope Leslie's story has been helpful for you. And if you um, have any questions about the role of stress, diet, or trauma on GI symptoms, be sure to send us a message. We're happy to share articles and data and more information with you on those topics. Until next time, be safe, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gut Feelings, a Rome Foundation Drossman Care podcast series. Find more helpful tips, downloadable resources, videos, and more on our website at theromefoundation.org. Look under the resource tab for our patient Q&A videos, Gut Feelings blog, articles, and more. Have you purchased your copy of Gut Feelings, Disorders of Gut-Brain Interaction and the Patient-Provider Relationship book yet? Be sure to find that on the Rome Foundation website and place your order or find us on Amazon as well. We look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Gut Feelings. This has been your host, Johanna Rodney.